While the convergence of punk and reggae might have all started when DJ Don Letts played reggae records between punk bands at the Roxy, there were ongoing and significant collaborations between members of each musical tribe, which led to some of the best music of the entire era. The Clash and Mikey Dredd, the Slits and reggae producer Dennis Bavell, who invented Lover's Rock, and the Ruts, who recorded the reggae song Jaw War and released it on Misty and Roots' label. Reggae was natural for punks to mine as inspirational fuel, just as earlier rock and roll eras adopted ideas and energy from blues and R&B. And chances are quite a few English punks had more than a few scratchy Trojan 45s in their record collections and a love of reggae in their blood. Many black musicians also embraced the rebel sounds of reggae, and it would go on to inspire hip-hop, in the late 70s and early 80s. Perhaps the most unlikely collaboration, or should I say collision, of reggae and avant-garde punk occurred in 1978 when David Cunningham, who was beginning to have success with the UK experimental post-punk band The Flying Lizards, remixed a series of songs recorded by Ja Lloyd, whose given name was Patrick Francis, who was a well-known Jamaican-based reggae singer, DJ, and producer. Though they never met face-to-face, Cunningham's mix of Ja Lloyd's songs remains a great example of the reggae punk ethos. Though the songs remained unreleased until the mid-90s, 40 years on from 1978, this collection may be one of the more interesting and unusual dub reggae collaborations of all time. Hi, I'm Mark Wasserman. Welcome to Punky Reggae Party, a special audio documentary series of the Skaboom podcast, It focuses on the historical origins and impact of reggae on popular music that will explore the phenomena of punk and post-punk bands adopting the sounds of reggae. For those unfamiliar with Cunningham or the Flying Lizards, they scored a still icon status hit with a hysterically manic cover version of Barrett Strong's Money, That's What I Want. The song still retains a unique sound, and once you've heard it, you will never forget the buzzing, clicks, and odd sounds that pervade it. Pay my bills, I want money. That's what I want. That's what I want. 
it don't get everything, it's true. What it don't get, I can't use. I want money. anti-pop music of the highest degree, and it scored a totally unexpected hit for Cunningham and Company, who were a shifting group of musicians and singers. According to an article in The Sound Collector from 2001, the Flying Lizards wasn't actually a band at all. It's not practical to judge the Flying Lizards solely in terms of their status as a rock band or one of their albums as a finished or commercial product marketed by a record company. The Flying Lizards were, above all, a way of doing things in the studio and in the mass consumer market. Have a listen to this great segment from a BBC4 documentary from 2016 about cover songs that featured interviews with Cunningham and lead singer Deborah Evan Strickland about their cover of Money. Devo weren't the only ones in the late 70s subverting classic songs. At the time, we thought, oh, we haven't got any money, we'll be pop stars. And that's what we did. The Flying Lizards brought their own distinctive sound to a handful of old tunes. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. The cover version is something that's kind of easy to, to plug into. Your love gives me such a thrill. As soon as you kind of take a pop song and start working on it, it's still recognisably pop music, no matter how bizarre the instrumentation might be. That's what I want. I expect you're wondering why we did cover versions. I suppose one answer might be there are plenty of good ideas. Why bother to have any more? The band adopted an equally no-nonsense approach to their choice of covers. Successful records really about sex, money or cars. And um, Gary Newman had just done Cars. And I thought, well, I know a song about money. The Beatles cut their teeth on tunes like Money, which had been the first hit for the Motown label, sung by Barrett Strong. And it was a tune that John Lennon revisited in the late 1960s. The best things in life are free, but you can give it to the birds and bees. I knew it from a John Lennon live album, The Plastic Owner Band Live in Toronto in 1969. 
That's a practically heavy metal version. In 1979, ten years after the Plastic Ono band, money's materialism was to acquire a new relevance. I think it was released a few months before Thatcher was elected, but this ongoing rush of madness and greed was in the air. I think there has to be a kind of zeitgeist in it, something... Um, indescribably of its time. Where there is discord, may we bring harmony. The Flying Lizards met at Maidstone College of Art and they brought a conceptual approach to the recording of money. We decided to prepare the piano in, in a way that I, I knew from the works of John Cage, the prepared piano with little things on the strings. We put in Chopin's Etudes, I think it was. We put in the London Telephone Directory on top of the strings. And then you get this um, clanky, banjo-y kind of hybrid sound. The music was DIY, but initially there were higher hopes for the vocals. Deborah, the singer, uh, I just assumed that she could probably sing like Tina Turner. The best things in life are free. Uh, uh, this turned out to not be the case. People may wonder why I speak the songs instead of singing them. The answer is really very straightforward. Um, singing is more difficult. Money proved an unexpected hit for the Flying Lizards, reaching number five in the UK charts. The Flying Lizards really uh, not being much of a group, and I'm not much of a musician, and the singer kind of couldn't sing very well. And um, I hesitate to use the term get away with it, but we got away with it. The Flying Lizards boldly ripped up a classic and deliberately drained it of its warmth. Cunningham owed much of his sound experiments with the Flying Lizards to the sound of dub reggae. Julian Marshall, the piano player on Money, told Melody Maker in 1979, David played me the original version to refresh my memory, put one mic in the piano and another one by the metronome on the floor. We did it twice, the second time with various things, sheet music, a glass ashtray, rubber toys, a cassette recorder, a telephone directory, thrown into the piano to get a kind of banjo effect. David said, that's fine, and I was slightly amazed. It sounded fairly wrong. But the next time I heard it at Utopia, where he was cutting it, it sounded fantastic. In many ways, Cunningham was one of the first UK producers as artist, and his path followed another musician-turned-producer who sought to provoke and irritate through his explorations and experiments with sounds, Lee Scratch Perry. Cunningham further explained his Perry-like production style on Money to the Record Mirror in 1978. Then I took the tape to Brixton and put the other bits on there, using a borrowed drum kit. The knock on the record is a snare drum and a tambourine being played together. I was hitting the snare drum with a stick. I was in a different room to the tape recorder, so I just got a very long mic cable 
and took the mic out to a very echoey room right next to the toilets and overdubbed it. There isn't any bass drum on the record. It's just bass guitar being hit with a stick. Then we put the guitar solo and backing vocal on and put it back onto the Vox, and that was the master tape, really. Virgin Records released their debut album, The Flying Lizards, in 1979. The album also included two songs, Her Story and The Window, written and sung by noted music journalist and musician Vivian Goldman. Their single issues included their postmodern cover versions of songs such as Eddie Cochran's Summertime Blues and Money. The album encompasses dub studio audio experiments and bent interpretations of pop music constructs. Critic Simon Reynolds called it an exercise in pop absurdism, which included a Brecht wheel cover, Sanskrit chants, found sounds, and unlikely instrumental textures, alongside Cunningham's penchant for excessive studio processing and daft effects. The unlikely story of how Cunningham and Ja Lloyd came to work together begins when Cunningham received a mono tape in 1978 from Ja Lloyd and was told to do whatever he wanted with it. Cunningham knew he wanted to create a dub record out of it, but since it was a mono master tape, the only thing he could do really was magnetic tape splicing, and this was long before samplers. So without the ability to use standard studio techniques to create dub sounds, Cunningham employed endless overlaying loops to make the dub effects. The fact that this was all done manually on the magnetic tape is impressive to say the least, and it's very possible that there is not another dub album that relies so heavily on tape loops or even uses them at all. Patrick Francis began his career in the mid-1960s as a singer in The Mediators and worked as a solo singer with tracks such as Soldier Around the Corner and You Know Yourself, Black Man, recorded for producer Rupi Edwards. In the early 1970s, he turned to production, recording The Mighty Diamonds. Recording as Ja Lloyd, he turned his hand to DJing, enjoying hits in Jamaica with Black Snowfall, World Class, and Beware of the Flower. He then recorded with Lee Scratch Perry, who decided to rename the DJ Ja Lion. One of their songs, Soldier and Police War, a DJ version of Junior Mervyn's Police and Thieves, topped the reggae chart. Give it a listen. Rasta, Stephen, Babylon and Sojadwa. A soldier man passed through Jonestown. He got smoke little island. Babylon read the scene. And wipe out the soldier man clean Every man leave the scene With them shot back full away Except the soldier man This success the led to a two album deal with Virgin Records frontline label 
This is where Ja Lloyd and Cunningham's musical fates intertwined. The songs on the secret dub life of the Flying Lizards have a haunted Ghost in the Machine quality, with creaking hinges, bouncing ping pong balls, popping champagne corks, wounded trombones, shuffling papers, and other odd sounds that float in and out of Jaw Lloyd's hypnotic reggae tracks. Give the track Flicker a listen. According to the liner notes for The Secret Dub Life of the Flying Lizards that Cunningham wrote in 1995 when the record was finally released, the source tapes for this CD were recorded in Jamaica by Ja Lloyd as part of a series he made for Virgin Records' Frontline label. The original tapes were not released and were offered to me by Frontline with the suggestion that I should remix the music. I accepted the project, expecting lots of time in one of Virgin's studios to play with the music and the equipment only to be presented with a mono master tape of the music. So I began to invent, or perhaps reinvent, techniques of editing, looping, filtering, and subtraction to deal with unremixable mono material. The subsequent work took a long time. As I thought it might be something of an indulgence, I worked on it at weekends and evenings rather than let it interfere with other projects. The techniques used here expanded my vocabulary of musical electronic treatments and appear in a very different form on records made at that time. Ja Lloyd used various combinations of musicians but did not include who played on which tracks. If you've never heard this album and you are a fan of dub reggae, it's worth a listen. I've included a link in the notes to a Bandcamp page where you can stream it and purchase a digital copy. you've enjoyed this episode of punky reggae party my book ska boom is available from dewolf publishing that's d-i-w-u-l-f.com as well as on amazon thanks for listening and take care